It's Rico Daily. I'm Ronnie Mola. Okay, so you're in the middle of enjoying your lunch, and suddenly you hear that all-too-familiar buzz in your pocket. It's an unknown number. Of course, you don't want to pick it up. But could it be that call from the mechanic you've been waiting for? Or maybe it's the doctor with your COVID test results. But more than likely, it's this. Hi, this is Susie calling with the Vehicle Service Department. We are calling about your vehicle's manufacturer's warranty. You have yet to extend your warranty past the Robocalls plague anyone with a phone. And while for most of us, it's just a minor annoyance, it could be big business for scammers preying on vulnerable people. So for the love of God, why haven't they stopped? Can someone do something about this? Is my car's warranty really expired? To help us figure out how these scam artists managed to evade regulation and continue to spam our phones, Recode's Adam Clark Estes spoke with Recode senior reporter Sarah Morrison. Hey, Sarah. Hey, how you doing? Good. We've all received robocalls, and most of the time we just hang up as soon as we realize what it is. It's spam or a scam. But you have been digging in and engaging with one company. Can you tell me what happened when you fell down this rabbit hole? So there's a couple kinds of scams here. There's the ones that are just, you know, outright scams, whether it's the IRS that needs to be paid in gift cards or some tech support line that isn't a real tech support line. And then there's the ones where the product they're selling you does seem to exist. I got a car warranty call and I decided to see if it was like an outright scam or if there was like some kind of actual car warranty involved. And there seemed to be. I ended up talking to a woman who was trying to sell me one. Well, yeah, no, so we're dealer loyalty protection, so we're a warranty company for vehicles. Right. So if you purchase your policy at the time you purchase your vehicle, your policy is with us. But if you purchase your policy after your vehicle, most likely you went through a third party, and we're just who, we're just the company that takes the claims for them. Well, I didn't purchase anything at all, so I'm getting calls about something I didn't, I don't own, didn't ask for. Uh, I don't want, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize for that. I don't know why. She said the name of the company, then she hung up on me. I found the company online, I, I gave them a call, but the guy who they said handled uh, sales calls wouldn't call me back, and that's where I had to end it. So did you end up extending your car's warranty? I did not extend my car's warranty. Are you worried about that? You might want to pick up the next call so you can <laughs> buy one from someone. Yeah, I mean, probably tomorrow my alternator will like fall out of the car, so I don't actually know how cars work, so I may have made a terrible mistake, <laughs> which case I guess I'll write a sequel. So I get several spam calls a day and I never answer them and I don't think anybody should, but it actually seems like they're getting worse somehow. How is this still happening in the year of our Lord 2022? The short answer is because they make money. The long answer is, seems like it should be simple to stop calls that we don't want that come from people who are going to scam us, but there's a whole bunch of different technologies involved and services involved from the beginning point of a call to the end point. They can't listen to the audio of the call to like determine if it's definitely a scammer. You wouldn't want that anyway. And so they can get through. If one method is sort of shut off, they can figure out another one. And there's just a lot of scammers out there. If it's something that makes money, they're going to do it. They described it as a game of whack-a-mole to sort of figure out what methods they use and how to stop them. And how exactly do they make money and how much money are we talking about? Anytime you buy something from them, or if it's some of those outright scams, they trick you into buying, I guess, gift cards. There's some of them that can get people to even just send them money. 
So if you make like a million calls a day from your call center and like 10 of them or five of them end up getting some money and this stuff is so cheap to do and your workers are probably pretty cheap too, you're going to be, you know, in the black that day. So you really don't have to get that many people to give you money to be profitable. And it can be extremely profitable, actually. There's some reports that say they make as much as like 30 billion, with a B, dollars uh, a year from these. Do we have any idea of how many of these calls are going out or like just how big the problem is? Yeah, I saw a couple different reports and one said 50 billion, one said 80 billion last year, and then maybe 86 billion scam texts. So yeah, the volume is just huge. Right. We're talking in billions, not millions or thousands. It's a big problem. So back when we just communicated through landlines, there were spam calls, there were scams. So it's not like this was a, a new problem when cell phones came about. So why didn't we just come up with a way to kind of solve the problem then? You know, before the age of the internet and cell phones, these calls came over wires. And at that time, there were like a couple companies that really ran those. So it was, I guess, much easier to figure out who was using your lines, who your customers were, and stop them. It also just was a lot more expensive, more difficult to make a huge volume of calls like that to the point where you were going to lose money. So there were telemarketing calls back then. There just wasn't the kind of problem it was today where we've had to like actually pass laws to stop these and come up with like new technological solutions. So what happens is, you know, the internet basically comes about and then you can make calls over the internet, which means thousands of companies are now doing like voice over internet protocol services. And so, yeah, you have like thousands of companies to try to police or make them police themselves. And those all have all these scammer customers. And then calls are just, again, really easy to make a whole bunch of them to anywhere in the world very cheaply. And you mentioned that lawmakers have actually passed laws to try to stop this. What were they and why aren't they working better? The first one I think that was really trying to deal with this was the do not call registry. This is back in like the early 2000s. And if you put your phone number on it, they're not allowed to to call you for tele- unsolicited telemarketing, which is fine unless you're somebody who doesn't follow the law anyway, in which case I think some of these places actually use the registry to make the calls because then they know that that's a valid telephone number. Hmm. There's a, you know, a couple other laws that just make it unsolicited robocalls are illegal in most cases. Spoofing phone numbers or saying that a call comes from a different phone number than actually does for malicious purposes is illegal. But again, a lot of these places don't really care about what's illegal or not. So then we have various agencies trying to figure out and go after, if not the scammers, then some of the companies that they're using to make their calls through. And, you know, we've had restraining orders, fines, lawsuits, even the Department of Justice arrested a bunch of people in a call center in India. They're trying to do stuff. It's just, again, it's a huge problem with a lot of people doing it. You get one, one other one pops up. Does the government have any plans for really trying harder, I guess? They're definitely trying. Um, they realize that everybody's mad about it. I think it's the number one complaint that the Federal Trade Commission and the Federal Communications Commission both get. The latest law is the Trace Act that was signed like 2019. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez announcing today federal legislation that aims to shut down the unwanted and illegal robocalls. These robocallers care about one thing, ripping you off. And the American people are sick and tired of it. So there's a couple parts to the Trace Act. You know, all the carriers have to put themselves in a database and describe what, if any, their robocall mitigation plans are. And then there's something called stir-shaken, which, again, doesn't stop the calls, 
but it helps authenticate them as they go from the beginning to the end point so that you know if they're spoofed or not, which can help you know you identify if it's a spoof call or not, and it can help that the carriers see if it is and maybe proactively block it from getting to you at all. And what does that timeline look like? And do we think it's actually going to work this time? So the large providers, they already had to do this by the end of June of last year. And then the smaller ones with, I think, under 100,000 subscribers, their deadline was the end of June 2023. You may have noticed that after June, the robocalls didn't stop and seemed to not really get any better. So they've moved that deadline up for some of these services to the end of June of this year. You know, they tell me that they're pretty confident that the volume of robocalls should decrease at that point. But who knows? Assuming that we don't, that this issue just continues, is there anything that the average phone user can do to sort of protect themselves against scam calls or even cut down on them? So you may have noticed that, you know, if you have a cell phone, your carriers probably started like labeling calls like scam likely or a probable scam. They also have apps that you can use and there's free versions and paid versions, but they all have a free version that will see if a call is probably a scam and then just block it for you without you even having to be disturbed by it. There are some third-party apps that you can download. I think the phones themselves, you know, the iPhone or an Android phone are getting better, adding some features that do some of this. And then you can also report the spam calls you get to the FCC. You can report them to the FTC. You can forward spam texts, which have become a growing problem, maybe you've noticed, to 7726, which spells spam, which is very clever. Well, Sarah, since you've been working on the story, have you been answering your phone more or have you tried any of these tricks and has it helped? Yeah. So the problem is I answered some of these calls and engaged with them in order to do the story, which means I will probably be added to several more lists because they know that my phone number is active and someone will answer it. So not great for me. I ended up trying one of the blocker apps through my phone carrier to see. And so far I've had two calls be blocked, which is great. Haven't noticed that I've gotten that many more, which is good. We'll see. I seem to get them in like waves. So we'll see what happens when the next wave comes, if it comes. But it sounds like if all else fails, just don't answer the spam calls because that's guaranteed to make it worse because then they know that there is a mark on the other end of the line. Yeah, do not answer them. Do not respond to the texts. Don't do anything. It's the best thing that, that you can do. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Today's episode was produced by John Ahrens, engineered by Melissa Pones of Hemlock Creek Productions, and hosted by Adam Clark Estes and me, Ronnie Mola. Thanks for listening. <laughs>